Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. Today, I have a special treat for you today. His name is Mike Boblitz. He's a vice president of planning and business development at Gwinnett Health System. He's experienced in strategy, marketing, and business development. He's got a demonstrated expertise in the healthcare and hospital system industry with a strong foundation leveraging strategy and market analytics to enable strategic growth in competitive environments. He's done a lot for the healthcare system where he currently works, as well as previous healthcare systems that he's contributed to. He's a unique leader with a diverse experience in leading academic as well as community health systems, and he spans many different types of markets. Healthcare management he's done includes real estate, construction services, and facilities. And he's also served as an adjunct professor at James Madison University for nine years. It's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Mike. And if you have any any uh, details that maybe I left out, would love to uh, have the listeners have them. Welcome. Well, thank you, Saul. No, I think that was a great introduction. Uh, as you can tell, I just uh, just enjoy planning and strategy so much. I remember going way back uh, to my first planning job, a planning analyst position at uh, a place called Martha Jefferson Hospital in Charlottesville, Virginia. Probably the second week on the job, I was uh, sitting around the table with the executive team and the CEO was talking about how that hospital had become landlocked. It was a 100-year-old hospital, and they continued to be declined by local zoning to expand in the city. And the time has come to really build a business case to build a new hospital and to relocate. And I, something about that, I was hooked way back as a young, recent college grad that I said, planning is, is what I'm about. I'm all, I just want to have my career devoted to planning and strategy. That's awesome. What a great story. And sounds like they threw you right into it from the beginning. Uh, they did. I was fortunate, <laughs> you know, that's the benefit of working at smaller. It was a smaller 176-bit hospital, but very well managed. I found that when you work in smaller, smaller organizations, you get to uh, get broader exposure. And for someone right out of college, that was just what I needed to get started. That's amazing. So you could have done a lot of different things, Mike, but you decided to get into healthcare. Why did you decide that? That's a you know, great question. Um, so my middle name is Kryle, C-R-I-L-E, and 
on my uh, uh, office wall, I've got uh, the picture of what I'm told is the last remaining picture of a gentleman named uh, Dr. George Washington Cryle, who is the founder of the Cleveland Clinic. No kidding. Uh, that's right. And we've, we've had uh, a long, uh, uh, obviously, most of my family have worked in healthcare. Uh, my dad actually still working as the chief administrative officer for orthopedics and sports medicine at University of Virginia. My wow. mom was the head nurse for the cancer center at UVA. So we just have always had a, a family focused around healthcare, And I'm just fortunate to also be able to work in this space. What a cool story, Mike. So it's in, it's in your roots. It's a tradition that you've honored and you've just continued with. Correct. And, you know, I uh, thought about going into the uh, sports medicine provider space as a young kid. Uh, a lot of people have heroes and, and people they look up to. And for me, it wasn't necessarily athletes or entertainers. There, were, there was a Dr. Frank McHugh. Uh-huh. And Doc McHugh was the uh, founder, really the grandfather of sports med- medicine. He really wrote the book. And before Jim Andrews, it was Doc. So growing up, I had a chance to follow him around in the football fields and eventually start working in a training room in high school and taping ankles of athletes and doing physical therapy treatments on athletes and kind of started thinking about going into a medical career. And I'll never forget it. It was probably my first year of college where Doc said, you know, if you're going to make it uh, and you really think about sports medicine and want to think about being a doctor, you're going to need to start watching me in surgery. And I'll never forget. I went in, uh, watched him doing an ACL repair. And all I can remember is just all of a sudden it getting very fuzzy. And next thing you know, I was out in the hallway and a nurse was saying, are you okay? I realized quickly that the, uh, the medical provider side really wasn't for me, but I still loved it. And my dad has made a great career being an administrator. And so I switched at James Madison University from kind of a medical path to a healthcare administrator path. And just haven't looked back since. Great. It's been a great experience for me. Wow. Wow. So you, you had that episode, but you found a way to stay with it. And Michael, you've had such an amazing career. There's a lot of healthcare leaders out there that are really just working to find the best way. There's a lot of change in healthcare right now. And so in your thoughts, what's a hot topic that needs to be on their mind? And how are you guys addressing it there over at Gwinnett? You know, I think the hot topic right now is uh, really changing your focus from historically, healthcare has been really delivered from a provider's lens. And you know, and you read it, Saul, all the time, it's all over the news that it really has become a consumer game. And healthcare, at least back when I was in grad school, was uh, what they call price inelastic, meaning you can raise prices and demand is still there. And now uh, consumers, and there's a lot of data out, a recent study said as many as 40% of privately insured consumers are under high deductible plans. So mm-hmm. it's become this retail medicine agenda really fast. So I've really worked hard at my organization and, and actually prior organizations to change that mindset from a provider lens to a consumer lens and really understanding the types of consumer segments that are, that are in your market and changing up the delivery the way that they want it and try to build loyalty that way. And so I think that's really something that is extremely important for healthcare systems around the country to really embrace and pay attention to. Yeah, Mike, that's such a great call out, you know, and, and uh, there definitely is that big shift. You alluded to the the rising costs of, of those deductible plans that is forcing health consumers to really be more mindful about the dollars that they spend. Can you walk us through some examples of what you all are doing at Gwinnett to help address this market in not from a provider lens, but from a consumer lens? 
Yeah, I'm happy to give you some examples. So when I first got down to Gwinnett about four years ago, one of my first orders of business was to develop a new strategic plan to carry the organization into the future. And so I started saying, well, let's step back and let's really understand not just the population, but who are the uh, consumers in this market? And there's a lot of data out there. Experian, for example, Truven has different segments. And so the top segment in our market is a group that I found called Kids and Cul-de-Sacs. And they have okay. two really interesting characteristics that popped out right away that really fueled kind of this retail medicine thinking that we've been embracing here. And the first is they're about 52 times more likely than an average U.S. household to want to have urgent care. Hmm. The second is they're about 50 times more likely than an average U.S. household to want to have access to providers online, schedule online, et cetera. So I uh, formed a uh, urgent care company outside the hospital uh, because hospital pricing has been some of the barrier, as you think about retail medicine, and we formed a joint venture called Choice One Urgent Care of Gwinnett uh, with mm -hmm. a national partner, and, and that just exploded right out of the gate. So wow. again, we, we kind of first tried to understand how consumers wanted healthcare. Uh, in this case, the top consumer wanted urgent care, and, and by default, it, it's done very well. And then this past year, we rolled out online scheduling, and same thing, just it exploded. Uh, we're getting a lot of uh, results out of that, including in our market, there have been a lot of populations that just don't have primary care doctors, and our market's growing two and a half times U.S. average, and people are coming in trying to use iPads to, and iPhones to figure out where can I find a doctor, and we're standing out in that game because it's easy. Healthcare sure. providers nationwide, their challenge is they don't answer the phone well, and consumers just want direct access. And so those are some examples where we're really embracing this whole consumer mindset and finding some success. Those are some wonderful examples, Mike. And one of the things that I feel like really differentiates you as a, as a leader in this space is the ability to not only think about the ideas, but execute them. You know, execution is such a talent in, in our space. It's hard to make it happen. What would you say is, is one of the contributing factors that has helped you and your team be able to execute on these ideas? So, you know, I've um, uh, learned a lot and I'm fortunate to have worked with some really good organizations in the healthcare space. And so the key to me is really uh, before you even get started about should we do urgent care, you know, should we build, expand product lines, et cetera, take a step back as I did when I got here and really engage your management team on a very thoughtful strategy and strategic plan and really get census as to what that looks like, in this case, including urgent care, and really get that buy-in up front. So then the execution becomes very easy. So you get strategic alignment, and then from there, the execution just follows. Correct. And, you know, the key is with any strategy, this first step is really having a very thorough and what I call environmental scan. And that's where the kids and cul-de-sacs came up and really educate the management team as to what those findings are and bring forward ideas that should be considered as far as strategy and get support for that. And that to me has been my success. I mean, others I think have do it different ways, but to me, that's, that's the right path. Yeah, I think you just do such a great job of this, Mike. And listeners, do as Mike is, is suggesting here, you know, do a thorough environmental scan, understand what you're getting yourself into and align your leadership team to your vision and then execution just becomes secondary. So Mike, there's no doubt you've had a lot of success. You guys have implemented some really great programs. Give us an example of the other side of the coin. Maybe, maybe a program that didn't work 
and a setback. What did you learn from that? And uh, take us to that story. Uh, sure. I'm trying to now think of a good example of a program. I would say, so re related to the retail medicine agenda, my take is, and I'm really working hard to uh, leverage our success in urgent care, where, you know, healthcare, uh, a lot of these outpatient services are now commodities, right? Consumers are shopping. Uh, urgent care is a great example, but also let's not forget about imaging. And you've seen in the news nationwide, payers are starting to really uh, steer their beneficiaries away from hospital pricing uh, to, to commodity pricing, right, and freestanding services. And one of the things I tried to push, actually, uh, right after urgent care, and the time just wasn't right because of the challenges on the financial front, was forming a similar company around medical imaging. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just have not yet been able to launch that because of the challenge of uh, transitioning from uh, hospital pricing today to commodity pricing tomorrow and you know how do you make up enough volume on the um, demand side to offset a price differential right yeah. and so I'm still working on that agenda I think that that ultimately we're going to get there because you're seeing all the news that I'm seeing that payers are all over that and if you don't start to oh, treat yeah. that as a company and move that outside the hospital over time, it's just, you know, I don't see how hospitals can, can stay in that game. So that's, that's one example top of mind I can think of that I wouldn't say it's failed, just the time wasn't quite right. But after uh, uh, my, my effort there, since you're seeing now all these payers coming out aggressively trying to uh, re-steer patients away from hospitals, uh, maybe hopefully this next year I'll get another chance to, to reintroduce that idea. Yeah, that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, I mean, for example, here in, in Chicago, Mike, I'm seeing these, uh, these MRI places pop up, like, and they're literally right next to the subway, like the subway sandwich place or like next to the Red Robin in mall strips. So I don't know, I think your timing may be maybe on point right now. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, consumers want, you know, they're, they're seeing healthcare uh, the way that they see retail and how they shop, right? And yep. so uh, our urgent care centers, as an example, we, we locate in strip centers. We locate mm -hmm. in retail malls where you might have other services to shop. And, and I think that's what consumers want. I think imaging is next on the equation, as well as other commodities like physical therapy and lab services. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned physical therapy because uh, just a couple of days ago, I had a, a group of PT folks that are putting together, think of Uber meets physical therapy. They're pairing physical therapists with patients through a mobile app. Wow. Yeah, and they seem to be having some pretty good traction. So yeah, I mean, you're definitely, your mind is, is in the right place here. And I think we are seeing this shift. I think it's so key that we get focused, hyper-focused on this, folks. Take a, a note from Mike here. They're definitely skating to where the puck is going over there at Gwinnett. Now, um, Mike, tell us the other side. Give us an example of, I mean, so the retail side of medicine has worked for you guys with the urgent care. Is there any other success story that maybe you want to share with us? You know, I'd say there's many. Um, I remember back going back to Martha Jefferson Hospital way back when I had the chance to build a case to expand our network and um, develop my first primary care practice and got to take it from idea to execution. And, and that was a lot of fun. And then going forward, uh, when I worked in a system in Maryland called Upper Chesapeake Health, I then kind of got the chance to build my first 40,000 square foot outpatient care center. Nice. And then from there, similar, more uh, bigger projects. And so every organization, I've had proud moments. I would say really 
at a high level, what I really enjoy the most, current uh, organization included, is coming in and really trying to develop this culture of planning, really yes. bringing your, your management team together. So I, I have here have an, a team called Planning Council, where okay. I've got HR, IT, finance, marketing, operations, everybody together uh, in leadership roles in those areas. And I really take time to engage them about, hey, forget about all the fires and all the challenges we're dealing with day-to-day in operations. Let's really dedicate time each month to focus on strategy and really how we need to think about the future. And, and then that really helps going back to uh, what I mentioned earlier about the execution side. Get that buy-in and then have all the stakeholders with you so you have strength in numbers when it comes to how do you implement and grow uh, your organization. That's pretty awesome that your approach is so thoughtful and with change in healthcare, it's, it's, it's happening. There's no doubt that it is. It's, it's a wave and you're riding that wave, Mike. A lot of people are getting crushed by it, but you're riding it. Well, thank you. <laughs> hey, absolutely. So tell us about an exciting project or focus that you're working on today. You know, I think right now we're, uh, our current strategic plan that I was my first order of business when I moved to Georgia expires June 30th. And so for the past six months, I've been working on what I call a vision 2025. It really mm-hmm. sets kind of a new course and helps us continue to take advantage of some of the things we've been already working on, as well as focus on what's next. And, and that's been a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time with physician leadership meetings, uh, a lot of time with our board, a lot of time with our management team. And you know, that'll start to take effect uh, officially July 1, which is which is our fiscal year. So I, I think that I've enjoyed that. And in that, it talks a lot about continuing to fuel this retail medicine agenda, as well as, you know, there's uh, in our market still traditional organic growth and, and opportunities where uh, focusing hard on how do we, uh, you know, continue to grow our service lines. And we have three areas of focus in Vision 2025. One is developing and evolving this consumer-oriented network with ambulatory services front and center. But also, uh, one, one area of focus is expanding our product lines across the full continuum. And they are mm-hmm. really trying to focus on now is how do we change our mindset from historically an, an acute encounter-based delivery model to one that really focuses just as much on prevention. And so, like, for example, we have uh, historically seen as many as 70 patients in our beds at a given time with either acute or chronic heart failure and starting to think about how do we start to better manage those patients outpatient and focus on uh, cardiovascular disease centers of care. And so these are some of the fun things that we're starting to kind of work on next that I think uh, are the right models for our delivery system in the future. Because for us, you know, our beds are full. And so how do we better manage patients that could be prevented from an inpatient admission and how can we better manage them without patient resources and really preserve uh, our precious capacity for the most sick and complex patients. I think that's really great, that health and wellness approach. And folks, if you're listening to this and if you're in Georgia, you probably already are like, oh, wow, I got to get over to, to Gwinnett if I need any services. They're definitely skating to where the puck is going. And obviously, Mike here is is a testament to that. And so, Mike, for your efforts and, and, and everything that you've done there, I mean, it's definitely gone a long way for the system and the communities that you serve. Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare strategy today, the 101 of Mike Boblitz. And so we got a syllabus here. We're going to do it lightning round style. We've got four questions. And then maybe you could share with us a favorite book or resource. You ready? I'm ready. All right. 
What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? So I think there's really two components to this. One is, and I mentioned this a minute ago, is how do we re-engineer, you know, our product lines and our services from this acute episodic, you know, model to one that really focuses on prevention, right? And what I didn't mention earlier is uh, another example where we've been successful is we've really studied uh, neuroscience and back pain and found that we have a large number of back pain conditions hitting our emergency department, uh, hitting our inpatient facilities. And we studied the marketplace and found that there's, there's tons of spine surgeons on every corner, and they're all really set up to really focus on surgery. At the same time, let's face it, you and I included, surgery is the last thing that we want. Right. And so we focused on uh, how do we differentiate in a super crowded market? And we created this concept called the Back Pain Center. Mm-hmm. And basically, the Back Pain Center basically is set up to do everything we can and make surgery last on the agenda. And, and that's been extremely successful. And we also realized in our, in our research that consumers need prompt access, right? And that's yes. why they're hitting emergency departments around the country. And so we created Uh, a 24-7 call center that offers prompt appointments. And we also created online scheduling, which as far as I can tell, we're the only neurosurgery uh, program in the state of Georgia that offers that type of solution where basically we'll see you now. And if you need to uh, connect with an appointment two in the morning uh, through our call center, or if you want to go through your device and just pick your appointment, uh, we'll be ready to see you. And we set up basically a a model where it's led by uh, mid-level providers who have uh, very rigid protocols as an extension of the neurosurgeon to receive you, really give you a good care plan and figure out, hey, let's try physical therapy, maybe you need pain management, and then occasionally you might need surgery, And but we're gonna do all we can to avoid that. And so that's kind of one example of when I talk about re-engineering product lines that to me, that that's the value proposition and our back pain center that we launched this past year is a, an example of uh, you know what we need to do more of. Yeah, that's fascinating. So as you do these things, what would you say the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid is? So the biggest mistake or pitfall, I would say, is really just not embracing a culture of teamwork and creativity. You know, early in my career, I found I saw a lot of organizations where they just placed so much fear on failure. So to me, I've always said I'd gladly trade, you know, one failure for five successful projects that yield improvement to our organization as well as the community we serve. And so I think that's the biggest, uh, you know, mistake that some places can make is you gotta, you got to really focus hard and create this culture of teamwork and creativity. For sure. I think that's so, so valuable. And how do you stay relevant as an organization despite all the change? I think this is so key for you guys. I mean, you guys do such a great job, but what would you, how would you sum it up? How do you stay relevant despite all the change? Yeah, I think the key is, and we're wrapping this up right now, but just having a, a following a very disciplined planning process that routinely steps back, forgets about all the stuff happening in the four walls of our institution and monitors how is that marketplace changing around us and really conducting a, a thorough internal assessment to understand, you know, how are we situated in that changing marketplace and what gaps exist that we really need to address in order to stay relevant and in order to stay successful. And we do that once a year through our planning process. And and I think that really helps us think about those key changes that are required in order for us to continue to move forward in in this very crowded market and rapidly changing marketplace of healthcare. Mike, what would you say one area of focus that should drive everything in a health organization is? Similar to so our, our talk entirely today is, you know, having that culture of planning that 
includes all stakeholders, you know, from operations, finance, marketing, human resources, IT, and bring the, all those folks together to really uh, to, to embrace, you know, how does the organization need to evolve and grow and, and including all of those folks in that mindset and those thoughts. And I think that's really something that, you know, we've done well and allowed us to have really a team approach to uh, strategy and evolution. And, and I think others really need to focus, you know, in that regard to make sure that you have that buy-in and, you know, early on in my career, I sometimes I've learned a hard way. And there's there's one organization that I found early in my career that really was siloed and really didn't bring in all their stakeholders. And and, I, and to no surprise, the the planning was not very robust at that particular organization, and they had some major challenges. And so, again, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I've been very fortunate to work at some great systems and and really learn you know what works and what doesn't work. And I think that, um, you know, this culture of planning is so important for us and for others. I think that's great. Mike, what favorite book or resource would you recommend to the listeners? Uh, you know, it's not really a favorite book or resource other than I just think it's just so wonderful the amount of information now that's available, both digital as well as through books, about, you know, cha- uh, strategy and this changing healthcare market. And so I'm constantly as a sponge trying to embrace all that great information that leaders around the country are sharing and, and really helping me think, okay, what are we doing wrong or what are we missing? And incorporating that great information as part of our strategy for the future. Love it. Mike, this has been a ton of fun. We've, uh, we've covered a lot of things and we've gotten here to the end. The time always flies when we have fun. But before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought with the listeners and the best place where they could collaborate with you if they wanted to. The best place to collaborate or connect, obviously, you know, LinkedIn and we can connect that way. And for anyone in Georgia, obviously, um, look me up and let's get together. You know, I think the closing thought just is to um, really embrace the changing environment. I think, you know, a lot of folks are, are somewhat uneasy about how fast healthcare is changing and, you know, how hospital uh, services are, are moving away into these, these retail models uh, so quick. And to me, I get excited about that. So really embrace the changing environment and really think outside the box to uh, help your organization stay competitive and relevant in these uh, changing times that we're in. Uh, I think that's just so important. Outstanding. Mike, there's no doubt you guys are skating to where the puck is going. You guys are a forward-thinking organization, and you are an outstanding leader, my friend. So I appreciate you spending time with us today and looking forward to staying in touch with you. That's all. I appreciate it. You're doing some great things. Uh, Keep up the, the great work that you're doing. And bringing all these great leaders together to share best practice and ideas. And I'll continue to be a great listener uh, to all you're doing and never hesitate to call on me if there's anything I can do to continue to help you guys. Highly appreciated, my friend. Hey, Outcomes Rocket friends. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast once again. As a leader in healthcare, you have big ideas, great products, a story to tell, and are looking for ways to improve your reach and scale your business. However, there's one tiny problem. Healthcare is tough to navigate and the typical sales cycle is slow. That's why you should consider starting your own podcast as part of your sales and marketing strategy. At the Outcomes Rocket, I've been able to reach thousands of people every single month 
month that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to reach if I had not started my podcast. Having this organic reach enables me to get the feedback necessary to create a podcast that delivers value that you are looking for. And the same thing goes if you start a podcast for what you could learn from your customers. The best thing about podcasting in healthcare is that we're currently at the ground level, meaning that the number of people in healthcare listening to podcasts is small but growing rapidly. I put together a free checklist for you to check out the steps on what it takes to create your own podcast. You could find that at outcomesrocket.health slash podcast. Check it out today and find a new way to leverage the sales, marketing, and outcomes of your business. That's outcomesrocket.health slash podcast.